Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 123. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Want to really rock your restaurant? SalesStars is a game-changing staff training system that doubles and even triples your sales while providing unforgettable dining experiences to your guests. Get immediate ROI and buzz for your restaurant. SalesStars is available online at www.restaurantrockstars.com and be sure to mention promotional code DEAL at checkout to get 10% off just for being a Restaurant Unstoppable listener. What are you waiting for? Get on it! With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Roger Bodwin. Roger, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am absolutely feeling unstoppable, Eric. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Roger Bodwin's 18 years of experience in the restaurant and hospitality industry is backed by a business degree from Bryant College and an MBA from Babson College. He has headed four restaurant and hospitality operations in all, with his most recent, the Matterhorn Ski Bar in Maine, a seasonal restaurant and bar that generated $1 million annually in just a four-month window. Today, with all of his knowledge and experience, he is kicking off his newest venture, Restaurant Rockstars, which I'm sure he'll tell us all about. Roger, this is a super aerial view of who you are what you're all about. Why don't you take it in deeper, starting with, you know, when did you know that this industry was more than just a summer job or however you got into the industry, but your career? Well, you know, it really goes back uh, quite a ways when I was in college. And really the only restaurant experience I had up until the time I started my first restaurant was being a bartender back in college. But I always found it to be a really fun industry, mm. meeting great people. And, uh, you know, I really didn't know that the restaurant business was going to be my career. I kind of fell into it. Be careful for what you wish for because it <laughs> might come true. Um, it's a bit of a long story, but essentially I was living in Italy in 1988 when I was in graduate school. I was doing an internship, and I went to a place in uh, Zermatt, Switzerland, where I stumbled across uh, a restaurant and a bar called the North Wall Bar. And it just looked like a really fun place. You know, there was a old poster hanging on a chalet in the middle of town and it said pizza beer and ski movies and you know living in europe for the summer it just sounded like a real american experience but when i got there it turned out to be people from all over the world watching ski movies eating wood-fired pizzas and drinking big steins of beer singing drinking songs mm -hmm. and it was a really international experience and it was so much fun i went back there several times over that summer and then it wasn't until several years later when I was interviewing for a job at a ski resort in Maine when I was driving through this um, small town knowing that there was a huge ski resort around and not seeing any bars or restaurants. And the infrastructure of this town just wasn't keeping up with the, you know, the huge number of skiers that came through. And that's when the idea popped back into my head. Oh, wow, this North Wall Bar in Switzerland, if you pick that place up and moved it to any ski resort town in America, it would really rock and roll. But here's the place to do it because there's virtually no restaurants here. So I had very limited competition to start. 
which was an advantage to begin. Mm. Now, what was it about this experience when you're in Switzerland in this bar? Like, what really resonated with you? What made you fall in love? Well, you know, I think it had a lot to do with a wood-burning brick oven. You know, it sort of there was something really intriguing about it. And I was living in Italy that summer, as I mentioned, and I was eating lots and lots of pizza. And just about every street corner in Italy has a wood-burning, you know, pizzeria. And pizza, you know, not everybody knows that pizza was invented in Naples, Italy, sometime in the 1700s. And as I learned more and more about pizza, I actually discovered where pizza was actually invented. And the oldest pizzeria on the planet still exists. And I visited that pizzeria. Um, this was after I'd actually started my restaurant, but I really wanted to do pizza the real, authentic, Neapolitan way. And once I, in my very limited Italian, was able to explain to the, you know, the pizzeria owners, and literally this, this restaurant had been passed down from generation to generation, that I had a, a wood-fired pizzeria back in the States, and I wanted to do things the authentic way, they invited me back behind the counter, and I spent the rest of the day making pizza, with these Italians and learning some of their secrets, which I actually oh, wow. translated to my pieces in America. So that was that became a very powerful marketing story. You know, let's face it, the oldest pizzeria on the planet, and I, I made pizza there, and I learned some secrets that we use in our own pies today. So that's mm-hmm. part of the story. Awesome. I'm going to really dig deep into your soul here, Roger. I want to know, when you were in Switzerland at this bar, what, like, this sounds like it was the pivotal point for you where you didn't just love you know restaurants but you love the concept of being a part of the industry was there one thing like in your soul that really just like you know hit home and made you realize that you would love uh working in the hospitality industry can you can you go back to that time and think back to what you were feeling yeah hospitality is the key word eric because there were two there were two guys working in this place and even though it was busy every single night that i was there I think they each touched every single person that walked through the door in a Mm. personal way as if they were, you know, everyone was their best friend. It was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And I got to know these guys personally. You know, one guy was actually the pizza maker, and the oven was right in the middle of the floor of the bar. So, you know, he could interact with all the customers Mm. while he was making the pizzas. Um, The other guy had this really strange resemblance to the late actor Patrick Swayze, and he basically just greeted everybody at the door. He waited on all the tables, and he treated every customer like they were the only customer in the place, even though it was packed. And that had a huge impact on me, which I later used in my own restaurant. Awesome. That's what I was looking for. I really I feel like you brought us right in there. I was sitting next to you at this pizza place in the middle of the bar, this, this oven right in the middle of the restaurant, and I feel like I just I know what you're saying, man. And uh, that's really powerful stuff. Thanks for getting into the details for us. So... Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing now um, with your new venture, Restaurant Rockstar. Well, Restaurant Rockstars is an online company that specializes in several training tools that help restaurants be more successful. We have a primary product, which I call Sales Stars, which essentially conditions your front-of-house staff, you know, your wait staff, your bussers, and your hostess staff to work as a team and literally to recognize opportunities every table, every guest, every time to spread the word and educate, inform, and entertain your customers as to what's great about your restaurant. Mm-hmm. So that product has been really instrumental in launching, um, you know, my sales year after year in the restaurant that uh, the Matterhorn Ski Bar that you mentioned. And I had proven that it actually increased my sales by about $200,000 a year. 
Because by giving your guests a better experience and telling them everything that you know they're going to enjoy, they're basically trying your suggestions and your check averages and your sales go up and you're actually giving them a better experience. So sales guys is our primary product. I'm launching a fast casual version for those restaurants that don't have wait staff and a tip-based business model. Oh, wow. And then my latest product also that's about a month away I call Rock Your Restaurant, Eric, because it's a financial boot camp that really trains restaurant owners to monitor what their critical numbers are, and also it helps them maximize their profits, cut their costs, and really find efficiencies across the restaurant that they're probably missing. Oh, wow. So if you guys, if, if Roger doesn't have your attention yet, I hope he, I hope he does because we need, we need to listen and pay attention to what this guy has to say for us during this interview because he has incredible experience and, I mean, he, he's done his homework. He knows what works, so pay attention. Are you ready to dive into the interview now? Fantastic. Yeah, go ahead, Eric. <laughs> All right, let's go. The, the first question I have, it's more of getting you to share kind of a mantra or, you know, a quote that really resonates with you and kind of drives your ambition. So what kind of success quote or mantra do you have to share with us today? Well, I have two, if you don't mind. My first is success is a journey, not a destination. So enjoy the ride Mm. because every day should be fun. Every day should be a learning experience. And, um, you know, obviously everyone's got an end goal. They want to have a successful restaurant, but you you know, you're going to miss out on so much if you don't focus on every single day. Mm -hmm. And then finally there, there is no finish line. Awesome. I mean, both extremely powerful. And, and I mean, there's no finish line. What exactly do you extract from that? Well, I guess in my own case, you know, I've been working on Restaurant Rockstars for two years now. And, you know, startups are difficult. It takes a while to get awareness of the industry. There's over 970,000 restaurants out there. I know lots and lots of them need my product, but it's still virtually unknown. So there's plenty of ground to cover. But every day I'm learning, I'm meeting new people, I'm networking. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, 50 years old or you're 70 years old. If you've got a goal in mind, you just keep pushing until you reach that goal. But there really is no finish line and there's no time frame. I love it. And, I mean, what really resonates with me with these two quotes is I think a lot of us kind of live like this false reality where we have like this image of where we want to be. And we're so focused. I mean, it's good to have those goals and to have those visions. But sometimes, you know, we're kind of living a, a false reality thinking that once we get there, everything's going to be, you know, great. The truth is it's, it's you know, the journey that gets us there that's great. And we can't get so caught up in trying to get there that we don't appreciate what's going on around us. And uh, I think that's really important, you know, a life lesson and a great you know way to kick off this interview with a success quote so uh you know thanks for sharing that what do you think i couldn't have said it better eric that actually absolutely pinpoints what i'm thinking and what motivates me every day awesome i love it all right so the first question i have is what are your it factors roger what is it your personal habits that you think most contribute to your success well you know When I started my business, I mentioned I really had no or very limited restaurant experience, and I certainly had no restaurant management experience. And I knew the statistics in this industry weren't good. You know, so many new restaurants fail. And uh, I do believe that I had a strong idea. I was very motivated, and and I knew there was a definite need for good food and great service. But above and beyond that, um, I also had the limiting factor of having a seasonal operation. You know, I mentioned I was at a ski resort, and there really was no summer traffic. 
So I had a four-month window where I either had to make it or break it. Mm -hmm. So that really formed the basis for that sales stars training program I told you. I needed a competitive advantage, and I really, you know, believed that service was going to be that advantage. I felt that if I treated every customer as if it were my only customer or most important, then, you know, I would have an advantage over all my competitors who really didn't focus on training. And that takes me back to that North Wall Bar story about the two guys that ran that place and how they treated every guest. So that was ever-present in my mind. And, you know, creativity, out-of-the-box thinking, being really resourceful, but focusing on service were really what led to the success that I've had. So you said that, you know, you had this pressure to really perform in those four months. Um, and that pressure really, you know, forced you to bring it. And can you, like, bring us down to a moment and share with us a specific story where this it factor really shone through? Because I feel like we really learned through those stories. So can you get into detail with, a, you know, a specific time and place when this really happened? You know, I had, a, I had lots of challenges, and there were lots of, of negatives against my success. Because when I first started looking for a location for my restaurant, there really wasn't a lot available, and what was available was either really prohibitively expensive or, you know, there was a terrible location. And I ended up settling on a, on a place that had been four failed restaurants before I got there. But it was really a starting point. It had existing restaurant equipment, which I didn't have to purchase. It had furniture in place. And, you know, the place needed a makeover, certainly, but... Here's where the story gets interesting. I had grand visions of opening up a Swiss chalet in a pine forest because of that experience I had in Switzerland. And there was a 10-acre piece of property for sale, and I literally wrote a business plan that was asking for a million dollars, and I started shopping it around to banks asking for a loan. And, of course, you can imagine the very first question they'd ask is, so how many restaurants or bars have you ever owned or managed before? <laughs> and, my, and my answer was always the same. Well, I've never owned or managed a restaurant before, but i got a great idea. Read the business plan. Mm -hmm. You know, so I got laughed out of a lot of offices until I finally met a banker who skied this particular resort every weekend. He was very familiar with, like I said, there were no restaurants. or There were only a handful of places, and none of them did a particularly good job. He read the business plan. He's like, you're right. That's a great idea. I do think it can work, but I'm still not going to give you a million dollars. If you scale this thing way back, I might give you $150,000. Mm -hmm. So you really can't do much with a $150,000 budget. So that was a make it or break it. Mm -hmm. You know, getting into this really poor location where the roof leaked and there was no parking and it was six miles away. It was in a marginal location. But somehow having a strong enough concept and creating a buzz right off the bat with providing people with fantastic service where that became my most powerful form of advertising, just the local buzz of the people that tried it, loved mm -hmm. it, and recommended it to their friends, and then pretty soon we had lines out the door. So your initial um, investment, was it 150000 Is that what you got and worked with? Well, yes, and thank you for asking that question. You know, I made a critical error in the beginning because, uh, and, and this is a long story also, I was looking for a chef because, again, I didn't know the first thing about putting a menu together, and I need someone not only to develop a menu but to run my kitchen. Mm -hmm. And I ended up meeting um, a person who was a chef on the island of Nantucket, and it turns out that he was a con man, a very professional con <laughs> man, and uh, he started coming up to Maine 
and putting the menu together, developing a trust and a rapport with me, cooking lots of great food, and I was totally sold that this was my guy. Mm-hmm. And then one day I got a phone call, and he supposedly was at a restaurant auction um, in the state of New York, and he said that all the equipment we needed he could get for pennies on the dollar, and all I needed to do was wire him a check, and that he'd rent a U-Haul truck and he'd bring it up to Maine that weekend, and something didn't seem quite right to me. And I was under some pressure and some time deadlines, and somehow, you know, we wired this guy some money, and it turned out to be $40,000, and that $40,000 disappeared in the casino in um, Connecticut. Oh, my God. And I Man. never saw the guy again. So even though $150,000 was not enough to start a restaurant, I actually had to start it on about $110,000. Oh, wow. So, I mean, would you, would you say that, well, first of all, thank you for getting into details and sharing, you know, those stories. And second of all, you mentioned scaling briefly. Do you think it was your ability to scale and to start small um, and to work up that maybe contributed to your success? Absolutely true. Because, again, if you don't know what you're doing, not only do you have to surround yourself with people that do, but and obviously trust is a huge factor there. Mm-hmm. But my mantra early on was keep it simple. And yeah. that really meant having a limited menu, which was just, you know, several wood-fired brick oven pizzas. You could make your own pizza. And then we had some pastas, And it became very important to cross-utilize ingredients so that everything that we brought into the restaurant was essentially sold on many different items so that we would minimize our spoilage and our waste. And that was a smart, smart move right from the beginning. I think there was one salad, one dessert. We did not have a full bar. We had beer and wine only, and literally I learned the very first two seasons, you know, crash course in the restaurant business. Keep it simple, but, mm-hmm. you know, simple enough so that you can learn all aspects of the business right away before you try to expand and grow into something bigger. Awesome. I love it. And, um, you know, one thing I really want to point out and emphasize in addition to everything we already just discussed is you, you mentioned you went to all these banks and you finally found that one person that um, loved your idea. And what really sold it, it sounds like, was his, you know, emotional connection to what you were trying to do, this this one bank person, because he had emotional ties to that that mountain and he wanted something like this and uh, we hear time and time again from past guests that you really you're not selling a restaurant concept you're selling yourself and you have to connect and make these real these you know these relations with these people who are investing with you like real important deep you know it's not always the the size of your network but the impact you have with those few people in your network and it sounds like you're really connected with this person and he invested in you more than he actually invested in the concept, would you say that's a little uh, far of a reach, or am I on with that? No, I'd say, you know, it was a combination of those things. I think it definitely helped that, uh, you know, that I had business degrees and that I knew the basic foundations of running a business. And he knew that I was resourceful enough to fill in the missing pieces, and Mm -hmm. I was able to convince him of that. And I also think it helped that the competition was really, really limited and yeah. that what was there, no one was doing a particularly good job with either food or service, but there were so many people that came through that you know resort community in the winter that lots of businesses, mm-hmm. out, even outside the restaurant business, sort of succeeded in spite of themselves, and they had more business than they could handle. So they didn't really have to focus on service. Mm-hmm. You know, they could give a lackluster product and performance, and people would still come. It was a captive audience. Awesome. But, you know, I decided to change all that. I really wanted to treat every guest as if they were the most important person. I wanted to put out great food. I wanted to give them a more sophisticated concept. 
And, you know, it was all based on that European experience I had, and I put all those pieces together, and I think that banker really bought the whole formula. Yeah, well, it sounds like a great story, and I think it's a good thing that he did kind of convince you to scale down because I think a lot of people, they do get in trouble. They have these massive dreams, and they try to go zero to 60, um, and it's just so much to take on right away. But when you start small and you scale, you can slowly accelerate and get to where you want to be. Uh, I think you kind of captured all those little things in this big story. And, uh, Roger, this is typically where I have you share a story where you failed, when you fell hard on your ass. But I don't know. I feel like you kind of already did that with your your story about this gentleman you partnered with who kind of turned out to be a con man. I mean, was there another story you had in mind that you wanted to share, or are you good to move on? No, I've got a great story. And, uh, you know, I thought at the time that if one restaurant was good and successful, two were better. So about four or five years ago, I got the brilliant idea to start a Mexican restaurant, also at the same ski resort. Okay. There was a, a failing property for sale that had been run marginally, for a couple of years, it really had no clear concept. And, uh, you know, I had been inspired by lots of Mexican restaurants. I used to live in Southern California. And, you know, there were lots of hole-in-the-wall kind of places with great Mexican food and great margaritas and, you know, Mexican music playing in the background. And somehow I got that idea, and I'm like, okay, here's a failing property. And even though it's an expensive property, the price is right. And, uh, you know, let's start a Mexican place. So I went full bore into that, and I had had such success with my first place that now it was very easy to find money. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started this Mexican place. It was four acres of land. It was a 4,000-square-foot building. The condition of the building was sound. You know, the location was strong. I felt that I had all the advantages this time, and it failed in a big way. So... I launched it. We transformed this place into the Mexican concept. It was really bright and visible and colorful from the outside. And from what we found out very quickly, we didn't generate the numbers we needed to to justify. We couldn't make the numbers work because the, the prices we were charging for Mexican food, the margins were much lower, and we were never able to develop a big bar business, which was far more profitable than the food. Mm-hmm. So within the first I think we opened uh, December 1st. We were going right into that winter, and it was maybe three, four, five weeks, and we just weren't building a huge clientele, and I had to keep feeding this place money. It was feeding money like you read about, and very quickly the place was going to close, and there just wasn't enough um, local business that were going to support it. And so we limped along for about a year, and uh, it it just went belly up. I was never able to make that work. What would you say your biggest lesson learned in this failure was? You know, I guess I was blinded by the concept, and I should have realized right from the get-go, based on, you know, profits of food and food costs and what we were going to charge, and I put too much focus on being able to have the bar carry the restaurant, and the bar just never really took off because my my first successful place really was the dominant place in the area, and it was literally a mile and a half away from this Mexican place. And I also found that, you know, if people have a favorite restaurant that they go to, it's very difficult to get them to try another place. You know, customers are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. So forcing a change and getting them, you know, getting their awareness and getting them to try something new is very, very difficult. And we just didn't have a big enough window to do that. I think if there was more time, I think we could have tweaked our menu and we might have been able to save this. But, again, it was just 
the, the overhead of the property was just too high, mm-hmm. you know, based on our purchase price of the property, what our debt service was into it. And we just never were able to make it work. Roger, this has been some incredible advice given in some amazing stories. And we have reached the time of the show where you're going to just drop some restaurant bombs of knowledge on us. But before you do that, we need to thank our sponsors. You want to wow your guest, not just give them ordinary experiences. This takes training. With Sales Stars Training, your staff become powerful brand ambassadors for your restaurant, which builds your business. Often, your customer is a first-time visitor without knowing what makes your restaurant great or what they will enjoy. Your staff is trained to make recommendations your guests will love by educating, informing, and entertaining at every stage of the meal, every table, every time. Your guests have more fun while restaurants make more money. Now that's a win-win. Sales Stars is proven to build team spirit and communication, lower staff turnover, and double your check average while giving your guests dining experiences they'll rave about. Sales Stars is a turnkey system that makes training fun and easy and you will see results immediately. What are you waiting for? It is time to rock your restaurant. For a 60-day, no questions asked, money-back guarantee, go to www.restaurantrockstars.com to get started today. And just because you are a Restaurant Unstoppable listener, you will get 10% off at checkout simply by using promotional code DEAL. Now get on it. All right, are you ready to drop these bombs of knowledge? Yeah, go ahead. All right, the first question I have is, how do you find the capital getting started? We kind of brush over this, but I mean, if you could jam your best advice into a quick answer about you know getting that capital, what would your advice be? Well, I think you definitely need, unlike myself, you need to show a strong track record of successfully managing restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, we've briefly touched on this, but having a solid concept and a really strong marketing plan, a great location, and I would definitely advise always about buying the real estate for a couple of reasons. If you own your own real estate, you control your destiny. You're not at the mercy of a landlord that's going to increase your rent or throw you out if somebody better comes along. And also, if you own your real estate, then you've got a better chance of getting the loan because obviously the property collateralizes and secures that loan. And, you know, as soon as you bring other people into this uh, the picture, when there's more hands in the pot or more, you know, wallets contributing to the pot, you lose leverage in the decision-making, too. Do you want to speak to that at all? You know, I, I can't speak to that because I've never really had what they call angel investors or private investors. Okay. Obviously, you need your own skin in the game in order to, you know, get a restaurant loan. And restaurant loans are really difficult to achieve. But, uh, yeah, no one really, uh, once I got those loans, they believed in my concepts. And I was never micromanaged by my bank um, relationships. And they were always easy to work with. And, again, you know, maybe my experience was different because I did find success early. I was able to continue to build my business year after year. And I, and I, I definitely developed the confidence of my banking team that they – They totally believed in what I was doing and how I was doing it. So they never tried to change anything I was doing. And they just let me be. And I was able to go back to them time and time again to do different projects, even outside the restaurant business, you know, building real estate projects. And, you know, my bankers, I built that track record and they were willing to loan me money time and time again because of that. 
Awesome. I love it. All right. And uh, just a little, I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like I need to dive a little deeper because I heard you talk about other projects. And how important would you say it is to have multiple streams of revenue coming in aside from just your restaurant? Well, it's, it's critically important, but you're touching on an interesting subject. There's a lot of restaurants out there that don't maximize the revenue streams they have within their restaurant. And I was able to do that with great success. Give us an example. Sorry, I'm going off the charts here or off the. No, 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 that's course. fine. <laughs> well, we we did several things, and here's here's a great nugget. Um, if you have if you have a bar operation, which I mentioned is is a real benefit to your restaurant. You're not not just depending on the food sales that you have, but you've got some alcohol revenue as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mug clubs are really really popular today, and we were able to build this huge mug club that had 750 members that belonged to the club, and they became evangelists for the restaurant. Mm. You know, we our service levels were such that we treated every single mug member. It, you know, it's kind of that cheers formula. People want to go where everybody knows mm. their name, and we kept that in mind. We treated everyone like they were our best customer. They became great marketers, but on top of that, we sold these memberships for $35 a piece. Oh, wow. And we were able to get, you know, $35 times 750 members before we even opened our doors in the fall. So that was like instant cash flow for capital projects or just to, you know, help us operate. And that was just to belong to the club. And the benefits were, obviously, we discounted the price of the beer for these members. They had a 20-ounce mug versus a 16-ounce pint. But it became this hugely popular thing that was, you know, great marketing for the restaurant, and they became our bread-and-butter customer. That's one example. We also had a, a really great brand and a theme, so we were able to create a whole line of retail merchandise and have a huge retail area. When you, when you first walked into the restaurant or walked out, you know, all the merchandise was highly visible, and it just kind of walked off the shelves. So that was another revenue stream. We had, you know, homemade pasta sauces, which we sold, and homemade breads and French baguettes and all these kind of packaged foods to go. We sold our wood-fired brick oven pizzas that we par-baked. And we shrink wrap the packaging, and we kept them frozen, and people that loved our pizza would take them home with them. And then um, we also did live entertainment several nights a week, and we were able to charge, you know, cover charges, which then led to big theme nights like, you know, St. Patrick's Day and Valentine's Day and Super Bowl. And, you know, obviously wow. New Year's Eve was the biggest night of the year. But, you know, on some of those events, we could bring in $20 per person at the door for live events. And we would throw a rocking party, and people would have a great time. And all of these things built our brand, and they were all multiple revenue streams into the restaurant besides the food and the beverages that we were selling. Awesome. That business mentality is really shining through right now. And I think a lot of people come up short. They're, they're so one-dimensional with their restaurant and opportunities to to be profitable, and especially today with you know the – the availability of having a website and being able to put these products and services on your website too. There's so many opportunities that I think we just miss on. And maybe that's something I need to learn more about too. And when I do, I'll share that with you guys at home. But yeah, I mean, for sure. Thanks for giving us all those incredible examples. So the next question I have for you, Roger, is what advice do you have for hiring good people? My advice has always been um, to hire for personality approach and desire to serve the public and team players which I found to be far more powerful and far more important than hiring for experience. You know, you can tell pretty much right away in an interview if the sincerity comes across and people really care about, you know, having friends, making friends every night on the floor, 
and how they, you know, how they care about people and how they care about putting out great product, whether you're talking about hiring in the kitchen or hiring your front of house, it really is, you know, personality, approach, and attitude over experience. Now, you kind of give us a great avatar for your, your model employee. Where do you find, like, where do you look to find people like that? Well, you know, it became easier over time. You know, when you first open a place, it's challenging and, and it's a high turnover business and you try a lot of people. But once you get a solid staff on the floor, we incented our staff to bring in other great people mm -hmm. that they knew would fit our brand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that worked huge. So once we had a, a core solid team of people, they brought in their friends. And it became this family atmosphere, and the people that worked there had a real chemistry, and that really shone through on the guest experience. Awesome. I think one thing we can all like take away from this advice you're giving us is sometimes when we just need people to fill the role, we get desperate, and we just put the first person that walks through the door in. But you need to have that, um, you know, that self-control to really hold out for the best because they'll. When you have the best, you attract the best, and I think it's a lot of hard work, and you. Need, but it's worth it's every you know it's worth every moment of waiting for to find those right people. Yeah, I mean it all plays a part. We also, you know, one of your um, one of the points in some of your prior podcasts are all about how do you keep great people once you have them. Yeah, that's my next and question. We, so I'll let you I'll let you take it from there. All right. Well, we found that recognition is very very important. So recognizing people, giving them rewards, and then creating the most fun and lucrative place is really the best formula. We had a program every single week where we recognized the two outstanding members of our team, and we called it Difference Scholars. Mm. And that means that those two people made a difference. Either they made a difference in a guest experience or they made a difference in one of their team members' experience. Maybe they jumped in and they helped out without you know, being asked because mm -hmm. they just saw that a team member needed help and they really solved the problem, whatever it was. The so Difference Scholars was a big thing where we called everybody together you know, just before we opened the doors, and there'd be like 50 people in the kitchen, and we would literally stand up there, recognize the person, explain exactly what they did to make a difference, how they did it, and what the impact was on either the guest or the team member. And then, you know, you gave a $10 bill and a can of Red Bull. And I'll tell you, boy, if that didn't create morale, and we did this to two people week after week after week, and it was something that people actually looked forward mm. to. That's awesome. I mean, I, there's so much value in that. I think people overlook just, you know, how important it is to not just be paid, but to get, you know, paid in, with recognition for the good work you do. And when you're not making a ton of money in this industry, you need to feed those higher needs. And it sounds like you just did an incredible job at that. We also, you know, we also shared the wealth. We, the people that stayed with us, especially in a seasonal business, you know, the great people we had that came back year after year after year, we gave them a raise for coming back the mm -hmm. following season. And then we also, um, you know, restaurants get a lot of swag, whether it's from their food service suppliers or, or their bar suppliers. You know, there's lots of T-shirts and hats mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff that comes in the door. And we would just sort of assemble a treasure chest of things, and we would just randomly pass them out. Awesome. You'd walk in and, you know, the kitchen guys that are deep in the dish pit, hey, here's a T-shirt. Thanks for the great job you're doing tonight. And we would constantly recognize people and thank them. And it wasn't just about money. It was oftentimes just the owner recognizing somebody for doing a good job and working hard. And we did that all the time. Man, that gratitude goes so far. And you're giving us great really examples. Does. Wow, thank you so much. So the next question I have for you, 
I mean, what's one restaurant book or resource you just have to recommend, whether it's for personal growth or just the restaurant business in general or just business in general? What do you have for us? Well, my two favorite resources, there are two really great guys that have a passion, much like yourself, Eric, for helping other restaurateurs, whether you're a seasoned operator, you've been in this business for a long time, or this is your first restaurant. Um, and this is in no particular order, but Jamie Ockel has a, a business online called runningrestaurants.com, and there is just so much free content that is so invaluable about running a restaurant day to day. And then again, Gabe Silva's MyFirstRestaurant.com. These resources, these tips and learnings literally help us all maximize our success. And, you know, what, I, what I've mentioned earlier is one of the most difficult of all businesses. So those are the two best resources I can think of. Awesome. Uh, Jamie, it's the first time I've heard of that, running restaurants. I'll have to check it out. And Gabe, I will second that. Great dude. He has an awesome podcast uh you know restaurant riches in uh you were a guest on that show as well um do check out gabe da silva great dude i'll have the links in the show notes all right the next question i have for you is in regards to marketing um i feel like we already learned so much in this interview already on this topic but dive in deeper and just blow us away with one more bomb well, you know, my advice would be stop throwing money out the window on traditional advertising that's really expensive and hard to track. You know, my success has come from focusing on internal marketing, and that's obviously everything you can do within the four walls of your restaurant, and also training your staff to be their own individual brand within your restaurant brand, using their unique personalities mm-hmm. to really, you know, put their best foot forward and show every guest a great time educating, forming, entertaining every guest, and they're going to come back again and again and tell their friends. And I can't emphasize enough how important that was to my success and, you know, how every restaurant owner can glean something from that. Internal marketing is always going to be your most powerful form of marketing for your restaurant. I have nothing to say to that. I couldn't agree more. Awesome. So now we're going to talk a little bit about technology, and it seems like the industry, not just the restaurant industry, but the world in general is changing so fast. And there's so many new products and services that are coming into the market every day that can help us be more effective, more efficient, and more profitable. Are there any services or products that you use in your restaurant or maybe even in your personal life that you kind of just want to you know, put your seal of approval on and share with us today? Well, you know, this isn't really new technology. It's been around for a long time, but if you don't have these resources, you should definitely look closer into, you know, what they can do for your restaurant. First of all, you know, there are a lot of great point-of-sale systems out there. We, for probably 17, 18 years, used the Aloha software in our POS system, but basically for its turnkey simplicity, the power of reporting. I mentioned earlier that, you know, financial tools were critically important to my success, but just you know, being able to print reports like a product mix and seeing what volume of products are selling at what profit points was hugely, um, you know, powerful for me. And then, you know, sales comparisons, just checking these things on a, you know, if not a daily basis, definitely a weekly basis. And point-of-sale systems really allow you to do that in addition to making it easier to order, you know, your food and drink. And then Long Range Systems is a company that we use both of their products. They've got guest pagers when you've got, you know, waiting lines and and things. It makes it really easy for guests to know when their tables are ready. 
And then they also put out a product for servers that beat them and let them know when the food is up in the window so it's not getting overcooked and they can come deliver their food, you know, hot and fast. Mm. What would you say the, the power of implementing a system, like a turnkey-ready system like Long Range is? You know, the staff likes it as well because it makes their job easier. Mm. It, uh, you know, gives them something to interact with their guests about. Oftentimes people are, you know, somebody walks in the door and obviously everyone wants to be seated right away, but we trained our staff to tell people that it's just as much fun waiting for a table as it is getting seated in our mm-hmm. restaurant. So we actually made the waiting process super, super fun. And those pagers were part of it. Mm-hmm. And obviously they vibrate or they play music. You can program them to do just about anything you want, which is kind of fun because you're waiting for that to, oh, when's it going to vibrate or when's my favorite song going to come on, whatever mm-hmm. that is. But we also had lots of video games, which is another profit center. You know, reaching kids in restaurants is really important because we found that oftentimes the kids determine where the parents go out to eat. So if you can make things super, super fun for the kids, then that's going to increase your business. So, you know, we had video games and all sorts of activities for the kids so that they weren't impatient waiting for tables. But all of those tools just kind of, you know, help each other to give the guests a better experience. And at the end of the day, man, it's that experience that they're paying for and that will keep the doors open. So awesome stuff. Thank you. So, Roger, if you could go back in time to 1988, you're in Switzerland, you're starting to realize that maybe the hospitality, the restaurant industry is for you. What one piece of advice could you, would you give yourself if you could go back to that time? Well, you know, it, it's it's not a blur. It, it was a long, long time ago, and it was such a, you know, it was inspiration. It was always about inspiration, but I think I would learn a lot more about the business before I just jumped in and tried to start a restaurant with literally no experience. I didn't do a ton of research on running restaurants, and now there's so many tools. I think I gave you a couple examples of really great restaurant resources. Mm-hmm. I just had this idea. In, and I drove through this town, and I saw the opportunity, and I, I was so super motivated. I wrote a business plan, and I immediately started contacting banks to get money before I really knew what I was getting myself into. And thankfully, I was successful. A lot of people aren't so fortunate to be successful. So I would give the advice of do your homework, dig deep, learn everything that you can possibly know about every aspect of the business, one of my weaknesses in the business was the kitchen side. I knew the business side. I knew the number side. I knew the bar side. I knew the hospitality side. But I was really weak in the kitchen, and I was over-reliant over all the years that I ran my business on having really, really effective and strong kitchen managers that I could trust. And I ran into lots of problems with theft and with drug abuse, with people that, you know, walked in the door, showed you a good game to start you hire them and then you end up with a nightmare Mm. and unfortunately i've had plenty of people that that were that way that just uh you know that i had to replace and finally found solid kitchen managers that treated the place as if it was their own ran their numbers tight and put out great food and that was that was a big challenge to find so i didn't do enough homework on the kitchen side and on other aspects of the business, and I could have avoided lots of um, pitfalls that way. Yeah, but, you know, the most important thing to take away from that, in my personal opinion, is that you didn't quit, and you kept on going, and you didn't, you know, you you always got better, and, you know, I think a lot of people, they they quit before they get a chance to get ahead, and uh, we can learn a lot from that determinism for you, you know, just to stick with it and to, you know, 
to get to that point where you wanted to be. So awesome stuff. And Absolutely true, Eric. All right. So I have asked all the questions I have for you. If there was one question you think I could have added to add more value to this interview, what would it have been? Well, I guess that question would be, what's your exit strategy? And that could be taken two ways. And it's not necessarily about selling your restaurant. Um, I didn't mention this, Eric, but in the last uh, year, I sold both of my restaurants, both the failing Mexican concept and the successful Matterhorn Ski Bar. And ultimately, I wanted to spend more time with my family, and I wanted a lifestyle change. And I moved to Sun Valley, Idaho here recently. But exit strategy is also about the restaurant business is so demanding, and so many owners and managers are so thick in the trenches that they're literally working their business six and seven days a week, you know, 12, 14-hour days, and they're missing life experiences. They're missing a balance with family. And that's one of the saddest things for me because I've met lots and lots of restaurants over the years, lots of restaurant owners, and that's definitely been some of their challenges. So how do you find that balance between spending enough time in your restaurant that you're running a solid, profitable operation, you're building your team, but you also have, you know, a balance that prevents you from burning out and ultimately failing because of that burnout. Mm, awesome, awesome stuff. You've been an incredible guest mentor today, Roger, and we're going to wrap it up. We have you do that by calling out one indie restaurant professional you admire and think would make a great guest on the show. Well, this this is really a great story because I mentioned I just sold my successful Matterhorn Ski Bar. And selling a business is challenging in so many different ways, but the person who bought my restaurant actually turned out to be one of my employees. And his name is Matt Wolf, and he is a seasoned restaurant operator in the state of Maine. He worked for 10 years as a general manager of a Mexican chain called Margaritas, and that's where he cut his teeth and got his experience. And then he ultimately was able to open his own seasonal place on the coast of Maine, it's called Mist. It's a great bar in Old Orchard Beach. It's a bar and restaurant right on the boardwalk. And then just because he's a huge snowboarder and he loves people, in the off season he would literally work for me for years and years, you know, just behind the bar. And he was one of those great people that had a huge customer following because his personality is so strong and everyone had such a great time being served by him. And he turned out to be the perfect person to buy my restaurant. So he is a true professional. I admire him in so many ways. And now he is having another record season at the Matterhorn Ski Bar. He'll close the doors uh, sometime in April, and then he'll dive right into his uh, coastal place uh, in the summertime in Maine. So that would be Matt Wolf. Matt Wolf, look out, brother. I'm coming after you. I want to get your story and your advice. Uh, You sound like a great dude. And... Roger, I mean, you got to let us know, how can we connect with you if we want to learn more about restaurant rock stars and if we just want to connect with you to dive deeper into these conversations? Well, I love speaking with restaurant owners personally, so I'm happy to share my email address. That's roger, R-O-G-E-R, at restaurantrockstars.com. And my website, of course, is restaurantrockstars.com. Awesome. And if you guys want to check out the links to everything we discussed, the resources we uh, that Roger mentioned, and uh, just the you know the recap of this interview, go over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash Roger Bodwin, and that's B-E-A-U-D-O-I-N, to find links and to get that contact information as well, all right there. And Roger, there's no questioning you are 
unstoppable. Thank you so much for your time, your stories, and your mentorship. Thanks for sharing the time, Eric. I wish everyone out there the best of success. And if I can help in any way, please reach out. Cheers. Booyah! Another episode in the bags here at Restaurants Unstoppable. Thank you so much to our incredible guest today. If you found value in this episode and you want more episodes just like it, shoot me an email Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com and tell me who you want to hear from. I will do everything humanly possible to get them on the show. And do please check out our tools page and our books page simply by going to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash tools or slash books. You will find a list of all the books and tools mentioned by our past guests. We're making the journey to success easier than ever before. Until next time, peace out.